Don't look back because the market is closed. Good Monday afternoon, everyone. Kip Harridge here with the Daily Bear Investing Podcast. Hope you had a good day today. Hope your weekend was fun. How about the Super Bowl? Pretty good game this weekend. Pretty awful commercials again, although there were a few good ones. Uh, the uh, 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 Christopher Walken commercial I thought was pretty good. Uh, the uh, Ben Affleck commercial I thought was pretty good. I do not remember the products they're marketing. But anyway, the bottom line is it was a fun game to watch. Uh, still a lot of talk about whether or not this game is scripted. I don't believe that's the case. Uh, the, 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 the 49ers claiming they didn't know the overtime rules. What? These rules have been in place for two years now. They've not changed at all for the Super Bowl. Anyway, it was a fun game. Super Bowls are always fun. Uh, get together friends and family and, and watch uh, the, the final game of the year uh, before we get ready for um, football again. XFL starting again in April, I think it is. So uh, for you football fans out there, you have to wait just a few months and you'll get it back again. Um, all right, let's talk about today. We have a lot of interesting things happening here, folks. Some big things, I think, underneath the surface. I see a lot of people missing some important, I believe. I think Todd O'Bout's with me on this. We think a lot of people are missing some, some big, big, big things here. Uh, folks, we are in a generational bull market. We, we're at the birth of it. This is the birth of a generational bull market. If people say, well, Kip, how could that be? Look how much we've already gone up in a year. Well, let me remind you, the 1995 to 2000 bull market, which we have said this looks the most similar to us as, that would mean we're in 1995 right now, maybe the beginning of 1996, right? So we've got a long runway in front of us here for a lot of gains to take place. The fact this is being led by, by tech, and by semis just continues to to uh, to tell us to pound the table on this market. Yeah, we're overbought. I'm going to talk about all this. Market's overbought. Uh, tech's still leading the way. It did sell off today at the close or about halfway uh, throughout the day. Great internals today. I think that's something that's very important. That's been missing. Folks, we had 609 stocks. This is NYC and NASDAQ combined. We had 609 stocks hit a new 52-week high today. It's been a long time. Since we have a 600 stocks hit a new 52-week high, and again, everybody online, I see it on my my, my Twitter account, my X account, everybody's butt kip as, I, as I'm bullish, 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 <laughs> had been for over a year, bullish, 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 right? Uh, people are like, but Kip, don't you see these internals? Don't you see the breath? Doesn't that worry you? I mean, I get this all day long. For some reason, and I don't understand this really, you, we could have this structural bull market of size and scope in a way, which this is a structural bull market. I'll touch on that a little bit as well. But if there's one negative, just one, if there's not that there's only one negative, you can always find more than one. But it, right now, at this, at this, at this juncture of the bull market, the biggest negative, and I see it like you probably do if you're active on social media, and the internet. I see it all day long. Is what about the internals, Kip? What about the breath? This market just can't keep going up based on a few stocks. Of course, it's not just going up on based on a few stocks. This is becoming a much broader move higher. Uh, by the way, people that put that out really don't know how to look at these various indexes, I think, and and, and understand uh, the growth that's taking place uh, throughout. Uh, it's been tech now, yes, but uh, the growth taking place in all these indexes uh, in, in, as far as growth stocks that are taking place of all sizes, it's pretty extraordinary. No, it hasn't. It hasn't really broadened out all that much yet to other areas of the market, namely value stocks. But we saw signs today. We've been seeing some signs. This is beginning to percolate. Bank stocks have been doing better, right? Uh, but the small caps had this monster move higher. 
If you remember, last October, the end of October, uh, we told you we had a little capitulation event. We were backing up the truck on small caps. They had a monster move higher, 22% move higher, took place in small caps in a very compressed period of time, just in a couple of months. Uh, and then we had to get in the sharp sell-off. And again, everybody, oh, here we go. It's a thin market again. No, it's not. Uh, I, I, I'm sharing a chart. Uh, it's on, I put it on Twitter today. Uh, we'll talk about it tomorrow in our, in our letter. Um, the relative strength chart of the small caps, the IWM, uh, Rust 2000 ETF, the relative strength of small caps to the S&P 500, is, is, it has my attention. It has my attention because, again, they went small caps went parabolic last October, November, started going parabolic, and then they had the big sell-off. Well, folks, trees don't grow the sky overnight. Right, chart patterns don't develop in just a month or two. These are long-term, you know, uh, developing uh, uh, moves and repeating patterns that have to play out. Okay, well, the relative strength chart of small caps SP500 just put in a higher low. Just put in a higher low, and now has been outperforming over the last week. Have been outperforming the large caps. So, uh, again, today, Rust 2000 up 1.8 percent. With both uh, NASDAQ and SP500 down on the day. That, again, that's interesting. By the way, uh, we're also seeing a bit of a pop here in Chinese stocks. I love, as you know, uh, Chinese tech stocks. Uh, we saw a pretty good day up a two and a half percent in that group today. I think there's a monster move coming. All, all of this is, 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 is building to a much broader bull market. This is textbook. This is textbook action. It's how they build. Just know that. So when you hear all the bears out there telling you the one or two or three things they really hate, you remind them there's like 50 to 100 things you can really love. Namely, the fact that, again, this is the birth, in our opinion, uh, of a generational bull market of size and scope uh, in the innovation revolution and the roaring 2020s. Um, so, you know, we love touching on these themes because, again, we've been a broker record on these themes for now for over a year. Uh, <clears throat> also. Crazy things happening here. Uh, NVIDIA. NVIDIA's market cap now is the same size as Amazon's. <laughs> is that not a little insane? Right? The, 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 the stock has just gone absolutely bonkers parabolic. There's a new, there's a new uh, definition of parabolic. Bonkers parabolic. And now larger than or at least the same size as Amazon. They bounce back and forth today based on total market cap. Um, these are all things that happen, folks, in the roaring 2020s. These are things that happen in the innovation revolution in a generational bull market. We're seeing sign after sign after sign. Do you see the news today? <clears throat> From um, Dow Jones had a piece on this today. Flying cars are here. Now, uh, they're not going to get the full launch until next year. And I think the first, as I read the article, I think the first is in Saudi Arabia, maybe Dubai. Uh, and they've got a, like, this company has a six year contract. Uh, they're getting all the, you know, the, the rules and regulations straightened out now. But we're going to have flying taxis. We're going to have flying vehicles. One pilot, four passengers. They go a couple hundred miles an hour. You know, uh, no more traffic, right? No more traffic. And as I've seen the pricing on this, I don't think it's going to be ridiculous. I don't think it's going to be ridiculous. So that's going to spread fast. We know that Elon Musk and Tesla, are very close. By very close, I mean within a year, possibly this year, within a year or so of the robo taxis being out, autonomous, fully autonomous cars. 
And I remember when I first heard this uh, years ago, uh, you know, we've been, we've been fans of Tesla for a long time. And one of the backstories of Tesla has always been, yeah, the, the EVs are great, but wait until they get full autonomous vehicles figured out. Well, what company has got this figured out? There's only one company, and that's Tesla. Right. They've, they're obviously the leader in EVs have been for forever. They're the leader in cars now, period. Uh, but they, uh, you know, they've been tracking all this data. You know, they're a tech company. They're not a car company. They're a tech company. And they've been tracking all this data and building all this data now for years. They have at least a five year lead time on anyone in the competition when it comes to fully autonomous vehicles. Right. Fully self-driving FSD. And they're gonna, they're gonna, the stock is gonna, is gonna go bizarre. It's gonna go. What was that say a minute ago? Uh, bonkers parabolic. That's what Tesla's going to do. And so that's why we have it as a TRA ten bagger, uh, because once they get number one, once they get their EV pricing down for the lower end to twenty five thousand, which is where they're going to be next year. We know that because Musk said it. That mean doesn't mean next year, but it means it's going to happen soon. I do think it'll be next year for twenty five thousand dollar pricing. On EVs, they're even talking about a layoff program for Tesla, getting their costs down. They got a war chest of over thirty billion dollars. I don't think a lot of people know this. Tesla has thirty billion in cash to do with what they wish, and so that's now becoming a larger and larger play for them. I wouldn't be surprised to see some acquisitions. Uh, I certainly wouldn't be surprised. Uh, to see some major news come out again about FSD, they kept it very quiet, but they're starting to open up a little bit about it. Kathy Wood and her team at ARC uh, talked about this last week in an interview that she did, and she said people just don't understand the story, but they will when FS, FSD is out and when the the the, the EVs are down to twenty five thousand range. That's when they dominate everything, and you the revenue is just insane, insane revenue growth is coming. That's Tesla. So again. In the roaring 2020s, we have flying cars, we have fully uh, full self-driving vehicles, uh, all the things we've been talking about here for so long in the innovation revolution. These things are happening. This is a magical time. It's a magical time to be an investor. It is, and this is the time to stay locked in. Uh, as you know, that's been our view for some time. Not to repeat that, but we have a lot of new people to come and listen. So I, I don't want people to think we're just saying, oh, this is the first time we ever said this. But no, we have all this laid out in the big bribe, uh, the book that Tyler and I wrote and published uh, 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 in October of 2022. So uh, look, I, what I remember from the 1995 to 2000 melt up, and I remember it pretty well, uh, I did. I was very active in venture capital, investment banking, as well as being a, a financial advisor, of course. And uh, I just remember it, it being a crazy time. IPOs. I, the IPOs is something I remember a lot. We did a lot of IPO work. work. I worked with the Syndic desk a lot then because I helped take a lot of companies public. A lot to help take seven companies public. Took two or three companies in the time frame, two to three companies uh, uh, public during the 95 to 2000 melt up. So I was pretty locked into that area. And, you know, I, you know, there were, we had a hundred IPOs that came out in multiple years. It went up more than a hundred percent in the first year. A huge number went up more than 300% in the first year. Folks, I, I mentioned that today because that hadn't even started yet. <laughs> That's how early we are in this bull market. The, the IPO binge and the IPO craze has yet to even get underway. When's the last time you heard about a hot IPO? I mean, admittedly, I don't watch much uh, uh, TV, period, uh, financial media or otherwise. 
But I would know if their IPO is coming out because everybody be talking about it. I see it on my news feeds and social media, and I'm not. Are you? No, you're not because they're not happening. But they're coming. There are a lot, and I mean a lot. It's in hundreds. There are hundreds of private companies right now that are licking their chops because they've been waiting, waiting, waiting because this market's been so horrible, right? Three bear markets in five years in 2018 on unprecedented. Average stock loses 40 to 6% value, unprecedented. People are shell-shocked, right? People are just now starting to come around to, hey, maybe this market's not going to crash. Maybe I should have uh, more position. Remember, $6.5 trillion sitting in money market accounts, all-time high, right? Those people aren't buying into it. Uh, I guess they're happy getting 4.1% now, which is where the 10-year is. But again, the, the point is that's fuel for the fire. As the market keeps going up, it'll make more and more believers out of people. And certainly when the IPO market comes back, then it's going to be, you know, it's going to be, uh, okay, here we go. All right, now it's really started. But see, that's not going to start for some time. And we really don't want it to, do we? Because once you get a lot of hot IPOs coming out, it sucks up a lot of capital, right? That takes away from stocks that are out there performing now. Uh, that craze creates, if not if necessarily downside action in the market, it can create periods where you just move sideways. So we don't want to see the IPO market come back red hot overnight. And I don't think it's going to. But I, I know I can tell you this. There are literally hundreds of IPOs that have been um, in the incubation process. Right. They've been in the incubation process now for some time. And many of these could be ready to go in a matter of a month or two. So I think you are going to start to see IPOs come back. I just don't want to see I don't want to see a slew of them. And I hope that that, that Wall Street and the SEC do a better job uh, managing these IPOs than they did these SPACs. Right. What a disaster these SPACs were. You know, we we avoided those. We avoided them. We told you we didn't we didn't like them. These companies were not prime time ready. And we avoided those. Now, we not that we don't own some of them. We do own with Trump Media or Digital uh, uh, Digital World Acquisition Corp. We actually own that in the VRE portfolio. Uh, and it's done very, very well for us, uh, especially of late. But <clears throat> that's it. We, the, we didn't buy these other ones because it was a fad. And the SEC did a horrible job of managing the rollout of these of these of these uh, uh, not ready for prime time public companies. And a disaster uh, uh, followed. And so, uh, you know, I, I really do hope that the SEC and Wall Street in general does a much better job of managing this uh, binge of, of IPOs that are coming out because they are. They're coming, especially with this red hot market. All right. Dow Jones today. Uh, also, one of uh, bizarre put call ratio readings today. I'll cover that. Uh, Tyler pointed out to me internals today in rock solid. Uh, Bitcoin, got to talk about that. Bitcoin over 50,000, new 52 week high, headed a whole lot higher. The halving's coming up. Uh, it's like, do we have enough money to invest in all these things, right? That's why, by the way, here at the VRA, we, you know, we limit it to with all everything included. Uh, we we don't want to have more than fifteen holdings. We keep a pretty tight portfolio. And for some people, that sounds too big. You know, I know a lot of people listening here are probably going, "Kip, what are you talking about? I own like five stocks, you know, or I own five primarily, and I got positions in others, but they're small." And I understand that everybody's portfolio and, and, and money management style is different. But uh, I think if you limit it to ten to fifteen holdings in that range. Then I think for me, at least this is how I do it. Then you're fine. I can't track many more companies than that. 
not not that I own and don't want to miss anything. You know, uh, insider buying and selling, uh, conference calls. You know, we we try to keep an eye on everything here. And as I said many times, I think it's pretty much in every book I've written. If you if you want to have a portfolio of fifty plus stocks, buy an ETF, right, or invest in a mutual fund. Because I don't know anybody, especially if you've got other responsibilities, you get a full time job, what have you. I just don't know many people who can manage that effectively. That size of a portfolio. Uh, so maybe look at ETFs instead. But that is why, by the way, we keep our portfolio size pretty small here and very focused. Uh, but only we only want to be in the areas that are hot or are about to become hot. And so that's our approach here. We build positions in our favorite growth stocks. That's a long term thing. We're looking for long term capital gains. The big, big moves, 10 baggers, five, 10 baggers. That's what we want there. And then our ETFs, those are more of a trading approach that we use with our VR investing system. Okay. All right. So um, Dow Jones today, all time high. Imagine that, right? Of 125 or three tenths of 1%, 38,797. Um, yeah. It won't be long, folks. Dow Jones 50. Hey, we just got Bitcoin 50,000. It won't be long till we have Dow Jones 50,000. All right. That's coming. Uh, NASDAQ today uh, had a point, gains of over 100 points. Uh, then had a sharp reversal at midday with the put call ratio started exploding higher, uh, finishing down 48 points, just three tenths of 1%. It is noticeable though, but again, Russ 2000 up one, almost 1.8% today. NASDAQ down, SP 500 down, semis down 1%. But yet the small caps almost closed at their highest of the day. I think that's very interesting. And it's reflected in the internals that I'll give that to in a moment. Again, th- these are these are big things happening beneath the surface that I think could be telling us a story here. They could be, you know, they could be laying out a, a game plan, a map of where this market's going to go. Uh, the structural integrity of the market, what's happening beneath the surface is so very important to understand how these things work together. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, kind of a mixed day on the markets. Again, all time high in the Dow, rose 2000 soaring. Uh, otherwise, you know, reversals in the, in tech. Look, we're an extreme robot. We are, that's where we are. Uh, you know, you don't get to have an NVIDIA, NVIDIA become as large as Amazon, right, without some real craziness happening in the market. So that's happening. Uh, I did notice over the weekend, I wrote this up this morning. Very interesting, I thought. Uh, over the weekend, Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan, Morgan Stanley, their top strategists, all went bearish on tech. They all went bearish on tech. Now you go, well, Kip, that sounds concerning. Are you concerned about that? Well, I, 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 don't, I don't know these people. I don't know how. I don't know if they beat the markets or don't. I don't know if their job is just a figurehead, I don't, if they're just good in front of a camera. I don't, I don't know these people. But what I do know is this, and I think this tells a story. NASDAQ, which is tech-heavy NASDAQ, right? Tech, mostly tech stocks, uh, uh, tech, biotech, growth stocks. NASDAQ is still better than 1% below, after today, it may be 2%. We're going to round up. I think it is 2%. NASDAQ is still 2% below all-time highs. That's, I, I, think, I think most people hear that and go, well, that didn't, how is that possible? Look at the move we just had. What? No, NASDAQ 100 now is at an all-time high. Again, that's the... Uh, uh, that's, that's the home of the Magnificent Seven. You know, it's much more, um, it's a much more, uh, tightly, uh, tight group of 100 companies, right? So it's at an all time high, but even the NASDAQ 100 
is only an all-time high plus seven percent, seven percent above above its all-time high from from uh, 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 late last year. But Nasdaq is still two percent below all-time highs. My point is this, and this is to address the strategist at Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, and J.P. Morgan. I don't know of a bull market that's ever ended before, especially when it's tech-led, as this one is. How is it that they're calling a top in tech stocks when NASDAQ has yet to hit all-time highs, and NASDAQ 100 is only all-time highs plus 7%? You see, it doesn't make sense, does it? doesn't make common sense. I think, again, I believe a lot of people are still trapped in this mindset of what's happened in the last five years. Three bear markets. I think a lot of people are still trapped, still in shell shock. That's what we're witnessing here. Because there's an, I can envision no other scenario where the top analyst at three major Wall Street firms would come out and say that uh, th this is the top for tech stocks. Now, from a trading point of view, that's neither here nor there. Uh, I mean, we have overbought sell-offs all the time, pauses, you know, shakeouts, that kind of thing. That's not what they're talking about. They're talking about this being similar to the 1999 peak. So they're bearish on tech stocks. And I just don't know how that's possible. Not when NASDAQ has even yet to hit all-time high. So uh, as my mentor, Ted Parsons, used to say, hey, Kip, bull markets don't even start until we get to all-time highs. That's when a real bull market starts. That's when the fun starts. That's when the party starts. I can hear Ted saying that in my voice right now. So... That's what I believe is happening here. I think this market uh, is still being figured out by people. Again, people are in shell shock. We saw it in the pull call ratio again today. Uh, at the first sign of trouble, people start rushing to buy puts. And I'm sorry, but that's not the nature of a market peak. Market peaks take place when you have big moves higher and shakeouts take place, and then nobody buys puts. Everybody's all in. Every Every shakeout... We're buying calls, right? And you see it in the uh, pull call ratio. You, you track it. You track it by hour, and you so you can see the, the the personality, the psychology of the market as it plays out. And we are not seeing anything that tells me we're anywhere near a significant peak. By the way, and I shared this this morning as well. This is one of my favorites, uh, one of our favorites here. The percent of SP five hundred trading above the fifty and two hundred day moving average is really important to track at extremes, right? On both ways, low and high. Like when you get uh, really ugly bear markets and all of a sudden we have five only 5% of the S500 is trading above the 200-day moving average, right? And you know it's 3% above the 50-day, whatever. When you see those kind of extreme bearish readings, you just got to back up the truck and buy. And we this is one of the indicators we use. Right now, Again, this is with the S500 at all-time high. Not today, but we just closed at all-time highs on Friday, right? We just closed at all-time highs. But only 63% of the SP500 is trading above its 50-day moving average. Only 70.8% of the SP500 is trading above its 200-day moving average. Folks, until these readings get to better than 90%, 9-0, and again, we're at 60, just basically 63 and 70, until we get to over 90%, that's that's not that's we're not going to be worried about an important short term peak. Uh, and, I, you know, we'll get there. But, you know, uh, maybe I would think probably April is my guess. If Stella may go away, I think probably April is when we'll get there. Uh, but again, just not seeing any of the signs 
that would tell us we have trouble on the horizon. Uh, and again, we are overbought. Look, we're extremely overbought. No question about it. Uh, pause. This is not the time to be aggressive on the buy side. I'll tell you that. This, that time was when we were telling you to back up the truck, okay, uh, after the October lows and, again, after the January shake, shakeout. That's when we were telling you to back up the truck. This is not that time. This is not – you don't, you don't want to – discipline is important here, especially, you know, this overbought. Uh, but by the tip, we'll continue to be the smartest of smart money strategies. Uh, and that's something we've been consistent with uh, from the bear market lows of October 2022. Um, uh, this morning, I wrote up the definition of a structural bull market. And I'm not going to put you through it again. I'm not going to put you all through it again. It's something we've been talking about here for, again, for about a year, over a year, because a lot of this is in the book about the, uh, our, our megatrends. You know, one of those, of course, is the millennial generation, uh, uh, the red pilling of America, the return of your animal spirits. These things are all happening now. You know, uh, the, and the financial strength of this market is, uh, is barely talked about. It's just, it's crazy. It's barely talked about. When I talk to people about this, their eyes glaze, glaze over. Their eyes glaze over. And they go, but but we just had forty million highs in inflation. That can't be possible, Kip. I'm like, I know, but it is. These these are all facts. And I'm not going to cover them all again. I'll mention three. All right. Uh, consumer net worth all time high. One third of Americans have paid their homes off. N- no mortgage. Uh, credit scores all time high. <laughs> I got about ten more. But these are all, all of them are all time highs. And then I think maybe even not, not bigger than that story. Cause that's, that's huge. Uh, again, the, the, uh, the, the structural strength of the, uh, American way of life for both consumers and corporations has rarely been better. Certainly not in decades. That's how strong it is. And that's just the, that's just, that's just evidenced by the data. That's just backed up. But I think one thing that's really important. Again, no one's talking about this. In the last 15 years from the 2008 financial crisis, guess what? We learned. We learned. Uh, American companies, American consumers learned. We don't want to go down the road again. We can't trust our government. We can't trust Wall Street. Who knows when this could happen again? We don't want to have too much leverage. So we're going to take care. We're going to get our financial house in order. And that's what we did. Over the last 15 years, consumers and companies have cut their total debt by about 25%. That's to disposable income. And market cap. That's huge. And again, it's vastly underreported. And also, and this is another biggie, uh, corporate debt to market value, market cap sits at 50-year lows. 50-year lows, 5-0. The point that matters out of all this is that our balance sheets are in extraordinary condition. And again, there's two Americas. We all get that. We're having an adult conversation here, okay, uh, about the America that matters to the markets. And that's what this is. The America that matters to the markets, people that own a home, people that have a financial nest egg. And it's not just millennials. It's not just uh, a baby boomers like me anymore. No, it's millennials. Largest segment of the population rocking and rolling, okay? Don't believe the nonsense you've been told about this group of people because uh, it ain't true, right? It is not true. And they're driving it all. So um, bottom line is, here's why it matters. These are the balance sheet fundamentals that we see at the beginning of economic expansion, not the end. This is this, the, 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 uh, the deleveraging that's taking place in the last 15 years is extraordinary. And the ability to lever up 
is significant. And see, that's when market tops occur. Market tops occur when everybody is all in, right? They, their, their credit cards are maxed out. We're nowhere. To, we're the bottom 80th, 85th percentile right now. Okay. Again, uh, I know you're not hearing this in the mainstream media. So sometimes I got to explain a little bit, but no, 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 no. This is the, the, the $1 trillion in credit card, the total does not matter. The total don't matter. What matters is, uh, uh your debt, uh, credit card debt or otherwise to, uh, disposable income. That's what matters. And to, uh, uh, net worth. That's what matters. And right now, uh, I mean, we're basically at all time lows, uh, as far as, uh, from a risk point of view. So this deleveraging is important because that means you know, when this market does peak and everybody's got, instead of owning one or two homes, people have three or four homes. And instead of the Dow Jones being at 38,700, it's at 68,700. When these things happen, as this bull market rolls on in the roaring 2020s, as these things happen, leverage will start to look different. People will be levered up because animal spirits will have returned, right? Their concerns will be much different. My guess is that'll be under a Republican administration. Uh, at least uh, that's that's the way I, I see it's playing out. Uh, but, you know, who knows with, uh, with what's happening in D.C.? You know, we just can't trust anything, which is why, you know, we need to control what we can control, which is our approach here uh, with the markets and investing. Um, also focus this morning in our VRA letter. But if you're not a member, come and join us, vrainsider.com. Uh, again, vrainsider.com, uh, two free week sign up, um, is the strength in the semis. Again, they closed down today, nine tenths of one percent. However, uh, and I shared this chart this morning, I also posted on uh, Twitter. I mean, from the from the October lows, the semis have done nothing but lead higher. And again, you're I'm a broken record, of course, Tyler and I talk about this all the time. The semis lead in both directions. That's well established from the birth of QE in 2008, 2009. And we just hit fresh highs for this uh, real strength ratio against semis, that's 100. Just hit fresh all-time highs again. Just, just happened on Friday. So, you know, this is becoming a regular occurrence. And so look at the chart of it. And it's just, wow. I mean, it really is. Uh, uh, but a lot of people aren't tracking this. And I don't, I don't, things that I don't understand uh, make me very curious. But um, I can tell you that if you uh, want to see the direction of the market, follow the semiconductors, SMH, and that'll tell you the direction. Not every day necessarily, like today, semis are down, uh, small caps up big. But uh, by and large, this, this works on a week-to-week basis, on more of your weekly charts, uh, to give you a better idea of at least some some expansion of time there. But again, very, very bullish the way the semis have acted. NVIDIA, NVIDIA uh, market cap, same as Amazon. That's crazy. Um, all right, let's talk about the internals today, because I do want to spend a little time today on Bitcoin and on some things happening in precious metals and miners. Let me check. Oh, book call ratio. So... The put call ratio today opened at a 0.82, all right? And that's just above average. It's like 0.7 something is the average. Anything above that is people a little more bearish than they would be. But all of a sudden, then, boom, here came the put buyers. The put call ratio expanded from a 0.82 to a 1.58 in 30 minutes. That happened. And then it stayed above one the rest of the day. So it was 1.58. These are 30 minute reports. 1.58, 1.33, 1.24, 1.19. The point is it was above one all day and much of the day by a considerable amount. 
again, folks, it's it's important to understand the psychology of what this means. Very important. When you have a high put call ratio at all-time highs, something ain't right. (laughs) That's not the way it's supposed to work. That means people are, are they're, 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 they're cats on a hot tin roof. They're just so antsy. They're ready to jump off at any second. They're glued to the screen, ready to hit the cell, cell button. Boom, boom, boom. I got to get out. Oh my God. The Dow just dropped 30 points in an hour. Sell. I mean, I'm exaggerating, but only by a little bit because that's what happened today. Once NASDAQ and the semi started to reverse, here came the foot buyers. So, you know, again, we'll see what happens tomorrow, but this is not indicative of a market peak. This action today and the Pucco ratio, a very important tool to, to track, is not indicative of a significant pattern change that's in the near term. Uh, it's just not. Um, okay, in the internals today, again, I wanted to cover these with you because these are fantastic today. Uh, again, even with the sell-off and NASDAQ and, and semis reversing lower, listen to these numbers. Almost four to one positive advanced decline. NYSE. Everyone's been bitching, complaining about the weak internals, and now we've got uh, – uh, careful what you ask for, bears. You may get it. Well, here you go. Almost 4 to 1 positive against decline, NYSE. NASDAQ, 2 to 1 positive. Volume, uh, 80% up volume day for NYSE. Again, SP 100 was down today. SP 100, 80% volume day. NASDAQ, 71% of volume day. And that's good for NASDAQ. It rarely gets above 70, 75%. This is a good day. Uh, and listen to this one. New 52 highest lows. Again, 609 stocks hit a new 52 high today. to just 67 hitting a new 52 low. Again, that's NASDAQ and NYC combined. Um, that's, that's called breadth expansion. All right? That's what that's called. So it's good to see. We want to see it continue. Uh, because that, again, that's been the bugaboo for a lot of people. A lot of smart money people, by the way, that, that have a problem with that. And I understand that. But what they're missing is the structural strength that's taking place in the economy and in the markets. That's what I think people are missing. If they did, if they're not paying attention to earnings, they should have seen it this quarter because these tech earnings reports are just astronomical. And folks, again, this isn't a one-off. This is the beginning of the innovation revolution. And that's why, again, I want to repeat. This is time to stay locked in. Um, all right, let's go to the sector watch today. That might help if I pull it up. One second. There we go. All right, now our sector watch today of the 11 SP 500 sectors, uh, pretty good day today here. We only had uh, four sectors lower, seven finished higher. Uh, not a lot really happening either way. Utilities were our leader today at 1.1%. Uh, bonds, uh, yields, yields were uh, down today. Bond prices were up. The 10-year back to 4.17%. Tomorrow we get CPI data, uh, which will, of course, be telling. Uh, so utilities are strong today. Energy, good to see energy stocks bounce up 1% today. Uh, a lot of value here. Again, talk about a group that's ready to broaden this market out, energy. Uh, banks have been doing better. Small caps, again, we get these groups going. China, we get these, China Tech specifically, we get this 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 group going, this expansion going, and you're going to see a market go bonkers, right? Uh, parabolic bonkers. I'm going to trademark that. Um, that's really it, folks. Downside, again, technology down 17 to 1% with the, with the, the midday, late-day sell-off. But again, red—they've been super red hot. So again, some some uh, some some uh, 
you know, consolidation certainly shouldn't surprise anyone. Um, okay, let's get into uh, uh, the, the uh, commodity watch today because I want to spend a couple minutes on uh, on what's happening in gold and silver, uh, really, but more so the miners uh, in relation to the precious metals. And then uh, uh, Bitcoin, because it's, uh, again, ready to take its next major move. It already is, by the way, but it's getting ready to really go parabolic. We got some good stuff on you uh, for this, I think. Uh, today, uh, gold today, interesting, I think. Gold was down $4 an ounce to 20.33. So not, not, Kip, why do you want to talk about that, right? <laughs> There's no, no excitement there. Uh, we're losing money on that today. Why are we going to talk about that? Let's move on. No, he's what we're talking about. It. Because the one thing, the one thing, that hasn't happened in this bull market for gold, silver, and the miners. And we are in a bull market, by the way. Don't, you know, if you look at the one-year chart, go back and look at the two-year chart, three-year chart, see what I'm talking about. Of course, gold is hit an all-time high. Now, what was that a month ago? So, yeah, we're in a bull market. But the one thing that has not happened in this bull market is the miners have not come to life. GDX is the, is the miner ETF. It struggles. It struggles. Like today, it traded 17 million shares. It's, it's, it's $27 a share. That's just nothing. Like this, this, this should be trading 60, 70, 80 million shares a day on a good day. And again, on, on really good days, well over 100 million shares, 150 million shares. And now it's just dead. So this group has not done anything because the miners haven't led. And we've talked about this a lot here. Until the miners start to lead consistently, there's just not much hope. For a big move higher in the metals. Well, today, even as gold was declining, uh, the miners were 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 fairly uh, sharply lower at the open, and then all of a sudden here came a reversal. So the miners closed up today just better than one percent. Now I know that's not a lot on the surface. I get it, but this is how close we watch this group because once the miners start putting in a number of days, four five days where they're outperforming, doesn't have to be big outperformance, just outperformance. Where the miners are outperforming gold, we're going to let you know. And our parabolic options program, we're going to take another uh, position there. Uh, and, um, of course, in the VRA, you know, we own these now. So we'll let you know exactly what we're doing and the actions we're taking. But I uh, want to see what's happening in the miners today. And we saw, saw a little bit of it last week. I want to see this really start to build. Here's why. The Fed's going to start cutting rates. Now, maybe it won't be by March when I said at the March meeting. I still, I'm still predicting that, by the way. Uh, all it's going to take is a couple of pieces of data to change their mind real quick. But whether it's March or it's the May meeting, which is really late April, April, late April, uh, May 1st is actually when the cut would be. So whether they cut rates in March or a month and a half later on, on, April, on May 1st, whenever they do cut rates, this group, the miners, should rock and roll. All right, the average move higher in GDX in the last three rate cutting cycles has been 180%. So I think that's our tell. Make a note of this, folks, because that's the tell. When the miners get rocking, they're telling us, they're our tell, right? They're our tell that rate cuts are coming. I, and I just don't think it's going to be much longer before the miners really start get going here. Because they've been they've so, so underperformed uh, gold over the last three months, it's time for this group to get going. So that's what we're watching here. We'll obviously keep you in the loop. Uh, silver today uh, up sixteen cents an ounce, that's seven tenths one percent at twenty two seventy five. Uh, copper today up three pennies a pound at three seventy two a pound. Crude oil uh, uh, again 
uh, energy stocks were, were nice and hot today. Not uh, crude oil was only up a dime at seventy six ninety four, but it does look like a much a much more fundamentally sound uh, uh, supply and demand story. And uh, again, these these energy companies are so cheap; they're so incredibly cheap, uh, and uh, uh, they're just cash flow magnets. And so, uh, the next time crude oil gets going, you're going to see we're going to make a lot of money in the energy stock. So keep it close eye there as well. Finally, for the day, Bitcoin. All right. <clears throat> All right, you know, we've been all over the story. All right, for those that are new, uh, Tyler and I both, on the same day, we both bought Bitcoin together at $600. Uh, what was this, 2014 or so, uh, 2015. And then we recommended it to our very uh, members, clients, subscribers at 2000 So we bought it, you know, got a chance to really dig into the story, start to understand what is this cryptocurrency, what is the blockchain, and at 2000 recommended it. Well, when it hit 64,000 and then topped and reversed lower, we sold at 58,000. That, that was when we sold. So we made great gains in Bitcoin. And then we waited. We, the shakeout took place, right? We all remember it. Most people, of course, bought at the top, and now they've been through years of pain. And that's why no one's talking about it right now. You know, everyone was talking about Bitcoin because of the SEC approval of the ETFs. But people weren't talking about Bitcoin because they were making a lot of money in it. People are still, you know, pretty beaten up from the sell-off that took place. Well, you got the SEC approval. Of course, now it's, you know, it, had, it, it, it was a buy the rumor, sell the news event. Now look what's happening. Here we go again. Bitcoin over fifty thousand, taking on a new fifty-two week high now. But here's what's uh, significant about what's happening next, because, because again, very people talking about it. But the having is going to take place. The halving takes place in 66 days from now is when the next halving takes place. When Tyler and I talk about this, like, man, look at what this, look at what Bitcoin did the last time they had a halving, which was in May of 2020. Check this out. Bitcoin went from well, on the last halving, uh, again, May of 2020. Bitcoin went from roughly five thousand dollars to sixty-four thousand nine hundred in eleven months. Post the having, so we've had now the SEC approval. We have uh, fund inflows coming into into uh, e these uh, Bitcoin ETFs, just astronomical. Without question, uh, this is the best, e the best, the the the, the best managed uh, ETF launch in history. No question about it. Really well done. They took the time, of course, but it, it was well done. And now people have forgotten about it. Because again, it was by the rumor sell the news. Bitcoin got smoked right after the news. So people are like, okay, that was fun. You know, no, no, no. The halving is probably more bullish. At least it was last time, wasn't it? 5,000 to 64,000. Make 1,100%, 11 times your money in 11 months. That's what happened last time. If that happens now, Bitcoin's headed over 500,000. Okay. Now, I'm not predicting that because I don't think that's going to happen on this halving. But I think people have just forgotten about the significance of this and what it means. It's much more expensive to mine Bitcoin. You, you get it slows the whole process down, and that's the way this, the genius of this structure uh, was uh, was first constructed with. You know, um, so the having takes place in sixty six, sixty five days now. Um, and again, we are we're long and strong Bitcoin, looking for a big move higher. Uh, we've already 
had a double essentially. We're looking for, uh, yeah, again, my target had been 50,000 for Bitcoin. That's from about three months ago. We're there. Uh, but now my target is 100,000. It's been my target all year. Uh, from the fourth quarter of last year, 100,000 this year in Bitcoin because the SEC approval and the halving. And now the SEC deal is done. And now the halving is taking place. And again, 66 days. So this is still, although everything, everything pretty much is overbought since small caps, uh, gold, of course. Uh, Bitcoin is not as overbought as tech stocks, but it's approaching extreme overbought. Um, but this, this thing is its own beast. It's just, it's its own animal, isn't it? And again, for people that say, I just don't understand the Bitcoin story, you don't have to. In my opinion, it's just as simple. Bitcoin is the best supply-demand story on the planet, right? All investments move because of one thing, one, one relationship, supply and demand. That's what everything, your home, your home price, everything moves in relation to supply and demand. The, the, the level of girl you could go out with when you were in high school and college, that's supply and demand. If she's got a lot of demand, guess what? You're, you, you've just added to the supply. She can pick and choose, right? This is the very important topic of understanding supply and demand and its impact on price action, which is everything. So <clears throat> it's simple. They're only going to have at most 21 million Bitcoin in existence. It's going to take many years before they even reset level. The having again, makes it that much more difficult to mine them. Okay. And that's why you're not going to get a big dilution that's going to take place. So, you know, they find a new gold mine. Guess what? You just got diluted by a million ounces or whatever. You know, uh, 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 even though there's not much gold out there, just a couple of like super tankers worth is all this. Maybe one super tanker is all they have, uh, period, from the, the, the birth of, of mining of gold. But it's even more dramatic as of an illustration when you look at it in Bitcoin. 20 million ever going to be in existence. That, that, that's a finite supply. Well, we'll look at the demand. It's now it's now legitimate. Uh, it's now a legitimate asset in the eyes of the SEC. Of course, other countries have already taken that step. Um, and now those that own it and know this story aren't about to sell. Why would you? Why would you possibly sell Bitcoin unless you're a trader? But if you're a long-term investor and you believe like I do that there, yeah, Bitcoin's headed to a million dollars. It's going to a million. I can't tell you when, but it's going to go to a million unless something goofy happens, right? Uh, 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 all other things be equal, it's going to hit a million dollars at some point. And so this is what most investors, most investors that own Bitcoin and don't want to sell it, why would you? Why would you? Supply demand just continues to get more and more tight. Demand continues to grow, especially now with the SEC approval. Uh, the story is becoming better known. It's now a legitimate story. It's not, oh, what if they don't, if, if they choose to, they can just do away with it. No, you know, it's here. It's here to stay. So it, it is the best supply demand story on the planet. It should be in part of every portfolio, even if it's small. And now the great thing is you don't have to go open a wallet with Coinbase or whoever. And, and, uh, and figure out how to buy it online. And you don't do any of that now unless you want to. You can just buy one of these ETFs. It was like 10 of them, right? You can just buy one of these 10 ETFs approved by the SEC. Um, we haven't commented on this yet. 
you know, because you know, we still own uh, a Bitcoin the old-fashioned way, uh, and we haven't come out and recommended an official ETF. But I, I don't know. I, there, there are differences, of course, with all of them. But these are all legitimate uh, big-name companies issued these. You know, we're, we're, we're big Kathy Wood fans. So, you know, we, we, we may even recommend the ARC uh, uh, ETF. I mean, they're one of the first to file. Uh, Kathy Woods was an absolute rock star, and a lot of people like to beat up on her. Uh, <laughs> that, that they they might look smart in the interim, in the short term. Check back in a decade and see what people say about Kathy Wood. Okay, that's our view anyway. We're big fans, and her macro story uh, of uh, of the innovation which we don't she didn't call it that you know of the uh, uh, AI uh, 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 surge uh, and they're they're big on their theme is disruption. You know. Of course, that's the thing. That's what's going to bring deflation in their view. We think disinflation, deflation. But the point being, they have a great ETF for Bitcoin. You can use that one. If you have questions, let us know. We'll, it will tell you what we, what we think. And we, at some point, we'll recommend one. But right now, we just own you know, the old-fashioned uh, Bitcoin uh, that you buy through a wallet. Um, and so, yeah, uh, Bitcoin is overbought. Everything is pretty much. I don't think it matters. I think into the halving, I think you're going to see now Another buy the rumor, sell the news buildup, just like we have with the SEC approval. So it started now, right? It started. And I think this move is going to be interesting. I think this, I think it hits 100,000 quicker than people can really imagine. Like it wouldn't surprise me at all. I would not be surprised at all if Bitcoin hit 100,000 this quarter. In a month and a half, it would not surprise me one bit. Kind of expected, actually. So just be positioned. Even you got a small amount, you know, be positioned. And there are other vehicles that you can buy instead of uh, a Bitcoin ETF. They're miners, etc. So um, uh, we'll, we'll keep uh, we'll keep you in the loop. These are our thoughts. But again, we've been a broker record on this. We're big fans. I think it's going a lot higher. And yeah, you, you should probably buy it now if you haven't already. All right, folks. Hey, always appreciate you listening. Hope you had a great day and a better night. We'll see you back here again tomorrow after the close.